Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome into another episode of The Rant. I apologize for my absence again. I know everyone's thinking I'm going to put out multiple episodes a week. I will be putting out an episode today and an episode tomorrow. So you guys are going to get back-to-back episodes. That's probably how it's going to be for the foreseeable future until my work schedule switches back to a different schedule. Um, We'll see how it goes, but just pretty much know that it's going to be about two episodes a week from now on for the foreseeable future. I know it sucks. I wish I could put out an episode every day. Unfortunately, I cannot do that because I have to get paid. So um, anyway, we're going to jump right back into it today. Again, um, kind of a lot to talk about, uh, which we'll kind of go. I'm going to do more draft stuff tomorrow. I want to talk about some of the major things that are happening in the world of sports and, and in news in general. So again, we'll start with a coronavirus update for all of you people out there who may be don't watch the news uh, like myself. I don't watch the news, okay? I don't need any of that fear being induced into my life, okay? I don't need it. I like to look at data. I like to look at facts. And the facts are pretty interesting. So a lot of the facts and what we know is that coronavirus can't survive sunlight. So honestly, the safest place you could possibly be, okay? There's lots of things that kill the virus directly. If it's on on a surface, is what I'm saying. Lysol, the wipes that you use, like you know, Lysol wipes, spray Lysol, any disinfectant will kill the virus on contact in in seconds. The other thing that kills it is ultraviolet light from rays of the sun. So if you're outside and you're social distancing and you're in a park per se, that's probably one of the safest places you could possibly be on a nice sunny day. Which is why across the country today, lots of places have allowed you to go golfing. So in Pennsylvania, golf courses are now open because guess what? You can only play golf in a foursome at max. Most places won't allow you to do any more than a foursome. And so you're social distancing with those people. You sure might be riding a cart with them, or maybe they're not allowing more than one person per cart. I don't know how that's working per se, but anyway, it's social distancing at, at the safest place you could possibly be, which is outdoors, spread out from a bunch of people in the nice, sunny, green grass on a golf course. Safest place you could possibly be. So I encourage you, if you can, safely go outside. Trust me, please do it. Go outside in small groups of less than 10 people, social distance yourself of six feet, follow all the rules, but please go outside. It's the safest place you could possibly be. Trust me, I've done a lot of research. You can look it up. I mean, you don't have to just believe me, right? The news doesn't talk about this. Lots of people don't talk about this, but seriously, the safest place you could possibly be is outside in direct sun. Seriously, direct sun, safest place you could possibly be. Anyway, we'll go back into some of the coronavirus stuff. We'll talk about some of the states that opened up. Uh, Again, uh, there's 1,105,318 total cases of coronavirus in the United States. That's not how many active cases there are. That's how many there have been. There's 64,503 total deaths and 156,000 519 people have recovered. So now we're pretty much at a much higher recovered slash discharge rate than we were at the death rate. Um, it's it's gone completely in the opposite direction. We're seeing really good positive news here. Uh, we have again in your total state leaders will do like a top five here. New York at 310,839 total cases. They've had no new cases so far reported today but they do have um, a total death count of 24,069 total deaths in their state. 
Um, and 289 um, of those deaths are new deaths in the past 24 hours. And uh, they have two th- 237,365 active cases right now. Uh, then next largest leader, again, very common to what we talked about in the past. New Jersey has 118,652 total cases. They have 7,228 deaths, which, again, is just unbelievable that they have about th- almost three and a half times less the deaths that New York has right now. And their active count uh, um, is 110,153 active cases totally. And then we have Massachusetts in third, who they've become um, a little bit more of a hotbed. They have 62,205 total cases with 3,562 total deaths. Uh, Illinois now is up there with 52,100, uh, or sorry, 52,918 total cases, uh, 2,355 total deaths. California is now in fifth place with 50,430 total cases. Um, they've had 301 new cases, but the death toll there is 2,047 total deaths and 18 have been new deaths. So again, vastly different what we're seeing from New York and, Ca- and California. Again, and I've been hammering this home so much is the fact that it's so different that it has to raise questions about why is it so different? Why is California so different than New York? The populations of LA and San Francisco are that are equal to and much greater than the population of New York City as a total. And that's where the hotbed is in New York's grand total of their state, it's New York City. So why is it that San Francisco and LA aren't being as hit as hard? And why are there a fraction of the deaths in California as there are in New York? I don't know. There's going to have to be studies to find out that answer. But what we do know, and from what I've under, from what the studies that have been done at Stanford and the studies that have been done around the country, is they believe that the coronavirus was in California much earlier than it was in New York, which could make sense, meaning that there's people here that have herd immunity because they've been exposed to it or they've already had it. And therefore, the death rate here is a lot lower because of that herd immunity. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving you guys any information. I'm not telling you um, you're going to die, who's going to live, all that stuff. I'm just trying to convey to you the facts of what's happening right now. But the positive news is there's a lot of smart people who are working really hard on this, and there's a lot of smart governors who are finding safe ways to open back up the economy. And there's a lot of people that are ripping on them. But I think uh, the governor of Texas is doing a phenomenal job. I think even in Florida, that governor who's been ripped apart, um, Rick Santorum, I believe, and he is doing a great job. Their death rate is um, a fraction of that of New York's. They have Florida right here is now in, I believe, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're eighth in total case numbers. So 34,728 total cases, and they've had 1,314 total deaths, okay? The state of Florida, compared to pretty much New York City, has a fraction of what's happening over there. So it's hard, and again, this is why when it comes to policy and it comes to talking about the stuff, is people want a one-size-fit-all approach for the country, and that's not possible. And and I mean, I guess it is possible, but it's, it shouldn't be possible. And it should be thought of as you saying, no, let's think about this for a second. Why is it a one-size-fit-all approach for this country? It, this isn't a one-size-fit-all country. We have states with way different 
ecosystems and way different places and way different demographics than New York City or San Francisco or LA, where a lot of these political news places and outlets deem their home. So you need to be able to take that step back and be like, you know what? It's a lot different in different states in the country. And we should allow each governor of their state to open up when they want. And there should be zero pushback. Because if you're not a resident of Florida or a resident of any of these states that have opened up in Tennessee has opened up, Texas has opened up, Georgia has opened up, Pennsylvania has started to uh, relax their social distancing policies. I talked about the golf courses. You should not care what happens in those states. Because right now, travel between those states is pretty much banned unless it's essential travel. So unless you are a resident of any of those states where you're living in Florida and you maybe not agree with what the governor's doing, then you have the right to maybe say, you know what, that's not the best idea for me and here's why. But if you are living in California and you're mad at what Governor Rick Santorum is doing in Florida, how does that possibly affect you in the slightest? You don't live there. You've never lived there, maybe, and you're not currently there. You live in California. It's completely different. So let's allow these governors to do their job for their state. And if you're not a resident of that state, you really shouldn't have an opinion at all. Because one, you didn't vote for that guy. Hopefully. I mean, Jesus, I hope not. Hope you didn't vote for the governor of the state you don't live in. So that seems pretty, you know, stupid and or illegal. And, you know, let's just be smart. We need to get people back to work. Okay. This data is, we're now getting more data about this than we ever had before. And statistically, if you are 22 and younger, you statistically have a better chance of dying from the seasonal flu than you do the coronavirus. So a lot of these young kids who college kids and all that stuff, they need to go back to school in the fall. A lot of them, if they're healthy enough and they don't have any, you know, pre-existing conditions, you need to go back. Okay. It just, it just has to happen. We need to start getting things back up and running again. And then we can slowly start to trickle in more things. You know, maybe you extend it to 40. If you're 40 years and younger, you can go back to work. Or if you're 50 years and younger, you can go back to work. For the old people and the people who live in nursing homes, the people who have pre-existing health conditions, the people that have cancer, those are things in your life where this is going to greatly affect you for a very long time. Okay, we don't have a cure for this. Okay, and, and you can't stop the spread of a virus. Okay, it's, it's impossible. The only way to stop the spread of a virus is either you get the virus and develop antibodies or you get a vaccine. It doesn't disappear. Okay? That's why you can still get chickenpox. Or you can still get any of those measles, mumps, all that stuff. You can still get it if you don't have the vaccine, which is why there's all those crazy anti-vax people, right, that get their kids sick because they don't get vaccines. And it's extremely important to vaccinate people. Because we have the ability to stop these diseases and eradicate these diseases. But stupid people do stupid things. I'm not going to debate you know, if you're an anti-vaxxer or not, but I'm just telling you that's why vaccines were invented to stop the spread of disease and to stop the spread of viruses. This virus has no cure right now. We do not have a vaccine for this. We don't have any specific treatment for this. But the only way you can combat the virus is if, one, you get it and you get over it. Now you have immunity to, the, to that virus. There's not to say that there's not going to be a new strand that develops and maybe you'll get sick again. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is if we understand as a society that there's no way to cure it right now, then we need to be like, okay, we need to develop a risk assessment here 
to allow the country to get back and working and running again because we need to get back to work. We can't do this anymore. There's thir- over 30 million people unemployed currently or have filed for unemployment. That's insane. That's an insane number. That We've created basically a Great Depression on our own accord. Just because we're um, frightened of something we don't really know a lot about. But it's not time to be scared. It's time to get back to work. And it's time, and, and this is where, you know, things get crossed and people get upset. Just because you want the country to go back to work and you want people to start, you know, being able to feed their families doesn't make you a bad guy. It doesn't at all. I still want people to be safe. I don't want anyone to die. If I could sign a petition right now for everyone to live forever, I would do it in a, in two seconds. I have a family. I have siblings. I have a girlfriend. I have a whole bunch of stuff, and I'd love all of them to live forever. But that's just not how this works. So we need as a country to be able to say, you know what, risk assessment time. What's the cost-benefit analysis of this? Let's do this, and let's figure this out. And right now, what we're seeing is if you're under a certain age, you're not going to die. Statistically speaking, you're not going to die from this if you're under a certain age. I'm not saying that you don't you're not going to run into some 40-year-old who, you know, is is immune or is never going to die from this. That's not what I'm saying. It's statistics. Statistically speaking, you are not going to die from this virus. If you are under the age of 50 and do not have any pre-existing health conditions, you're not going to die. So if we know this knowledge, and statistically speaking, that's what the knowledge is, and right now for the last month, we've seen very little increase in the, in the total amount of deaths. It's been, it's been at, a, at a you know snail's pace now, because I did this podcast again last month, and I told you we were at 50,000 deaths. Now we're at 64,000 deaths, or, or 65, whatever I said today. And yes, that's, again, I'm not trying to downplay that 65,000 people have died. What I'm trying to get everyone here to understand is people die every day and we need to make a risk assessment of what's the cost benefit of us getting back to work. We evaluate risk in our lives every day. So it's time to get back to work and it's time to do it safely, not allowing old people to go back out into the world until we figure out a vaccine because it's a killer for them. Again, 98% of everyone who's died from this has been over the age of 65 and has had some sort of pre-existing health condition. That's just the data. That's 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 not that's just facts and sometimes and it's scary honestly in this in in society today people get upset by facts. And that's what people in in politics they have to dance around facts so they don't upset certain constituents, which is crazy to me. We should not live in a society where facts upset you. Statistics don't lie and facts should not upset you. Facts are facts. Okay? Just like people who fly on an airplane, okay? People are scared of flying on an airplane, but you are statistically more likely to die on the drive to the airport. Statistically, you are way more likely to die on the drive to the airport than you are to die in the plane while it's flying. But people are more afraid of flying on airplanes than they are in driving in cars. Why is that? It's fear of the unknown. Some people have never flown before. Some people don't know what it's like up there. Some people, you know, it's it's that kind of fear. This is the same thing. 
you are more likely to die if you're under the age of 50 from car crashes, the flu, a whole plethora of things. You are more statistically likely to die from those things than you are the coronavirus. Yet, here we are and we're afraid and we can't be afraid anymore. Okay, if we would have been afraid of everything that ever scared us or everything that was new and coming in this country, it would not be where it is today. So it's time for us to not be afraid. It's time for us to get back up and running smartly and safely. Anyway, that's enough of that rant. I know I know a lot of you don't tune in to hear me rant about that, but that's the times we live in. There's no sports right now than the draft, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But first, I have a bone to pick with pretty much every single draft analysis guy or sports analysis person that either said the NFL was stupid for going on with the draft or going on with free agency. So I'll start with the first guy, and then we'll get to the, the other guy later. The other guy, he's I don't even know how he has a show, other than the fact that he's been in sports for a while. But his opinions are so stupid, and he flip-flops all the time, that it, it, it just, it just, he just shoots crap out of his, at his mouth all the time, and people listen to him. But the first one, hypocrite of the day, okay? Hypocrite of the day goes to Adam Scheffner. Okay, there's, there's, a part, there's a part, you know, one and two to this. But part one of hypocrite of the day goes to Adam Scheffner, okay? Who, on ESPN, told ESPN, because, you know, Adam Scheffner is the inside reporter for ESPN for the NFL, told ESPN on the air that he thought it was a bad idea that the NFL would go ahead with the draft as scheduled during the coronavirus, you know, pandemic. Then, so he, he gets on live television, tells everyone, hey, this is not a bad idea. This is a bad idea. They should postpone the draft until it's a better time to do so because of the, you know, the semantics, you know, the, the visual aspects of it. Like, how is this going to be perceived from people who are unemployed while these kids are having the best day of their lives when the country's suffering? So everyone should suffer. Everyone should feel bad because everyone is feeling bad and no one should be happy because this is bad. It's basically what he's saying, right? If you follow that logic, if you're saying the draft should not go down because these kids are about to experience one of the best moments in their life, but the rest of the country or the majority of the country is feeling down and people are dying and it's sad. So everyone should be sad. And no one should be happy forever. Until this is solved. That's the logic you spew when you say the draft should not go on because of what's happening. Well, this idiot, okay, then gets on Twitter, okay, and this was yesterday. So after, you know, almost a full week has passed, a full week has passed since the draft. And he goes, exactly 50 days today without sports, dot, dot, dot. But who's counting? So guess what, Adam Scheffner, okay, you are a hypocrite. You cannot complain to me about how you thought it would be better for them to postpone the draft than get on Twitter a week later and say 50 days in total without sports. Wah, who's counting? I'm sad. I'm sad there's no sports, but I'm also mad that the draft happened. Okay, that guy's an asshole. That guy's literally an idiot. Okay, and then hypocrite of the day, number two, is uh, Mike Florio, who's on Pro Football Talk on CBS. And CBS is... You know, I used to like CBS Sports. It's, um, they're not there. Okay, not the job they do uh, on the NFL game days. Okay, I, I like the CBS crew. I'm talking about CBS Sports is the guys who cover sports for CBS. All of them are making me mad. All of them. Okay, Peter King, I used to like that guy a lot. Now he's an asshole. Okay, 
Uh, Mike, Mike Florio. I used to like him. He's an asshole. Okay, they're all stupid. They, they all say dumb things. Florio was a guy who came out and said, you know what? It's terrible that free agency is happening. How is free agency happening? This is terrible. The NFL should shut down. They should not have free agency. This is bad. This is a terrible look, and it's cataclysmic, and this will blow up in their face. This will be the worst thing that's ever happened to the NFL. Literally said this. You know, this is a paraphrase, but you can find the quote. He said it'll be, it's a, it'll be the worst thing to ever happen for the NFL if they go ahead with free agency. This was back a couple months ago, right? In, right before in March when free agency started. That, this guy said this live on his television show. Guess what his television show is called, ladies and gentlemen? It's called Pro Football Talk. Why, if you are employed by CBS, would you shit on the NFL who basically provides you livelihood, right? The NFL being able to continue business as normal allows you to talk to an audience over a microphone and puts money in your pocket, Mike Florio. So why are you mad that they're continuing to go ahead with the with the offseason? Like, are you insane? Like, are you trying to basically lose money? Are you trying to get fired? Because that's basically how I'm interpreting that. You're basically saying that I shouldn't have a job right now because the NFL should not be going on with free agency and I should be sitting at home twiddling my thumbs around. You should be bowing down on both knees and, you know, praying to the gods that are football and basically saying, thank you so much for allowing NFL free agency to go on so I have something to talk about on my program. Not it's a bad move and it's stupid. That I mean seriously, and there's so, the list goes on and on and on about guys who are mad, who cover sports, who cover sports for a living, and they're mad that some sports are continuing, or some sports, or some sports are trying to get back up and running. Like, are you insane? Like, are you mentally handicapped? That is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. The people that provide you your livelihood are trying to continue to conduct business and you are spitting in the face of them trying to conduct business, literally biting the hand that feeds you. I do this for free in my living room on a plastic card table, okay, in a tiny apartment in the Bay Area in California. Do you know how happy I am that the NFL and the draft and free agency and all that crap continued and I had something to talk about? I'm I'm ecstatic. I watched all days of the draft, days one through three, and I sat there and I took notes. I was so happy. I I I was over the moon ecstatic. And this guy and Adam Schefter and Mike Florio sit in their fucking pompous ass mansion somewhere and bitch about how the, the NFL should have never conducted business. Like, these guys are so have you know their heads so far up their ass, they don't even know what they're talking about. They don't even realize how idiotic what they are saying affects what they're talking about and, and directly affects their livelihood. It, 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 it is unbelievable to me that people who are covering sports Talk bad about sports trying to get up and running. It, 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 it absolutely makes no sense, and I can't believe it. Honestly, can't. People shit on Dana, uh, Dana White for trying to get UFC, uh, the, the UFC up and running again. They, when he went and tried to do Fight Island, and they're like, 
this guy's crazy. Why is he trying to do this? Dana White should be saluted. This guy is a multi-billionaire, okay? A multi-billionaire. And, and instead, okay, do you think Dana White could be sitting at home in his giant-ass mansion wherever he wanted to, just post up for as long as he wanted? He, he could get whatever he wants. If he wanted lobster flown in to his private place wherever he lives, say he lives in, I don't know, Malibu, and he wanted lobster from Maine flied in for him for a night meal because it's, it's quarantine and he can't go get a lobster, that would happen. But no, this guy's actively trying to find any way he possibly can to make sure the UFC goes on. And by the way, there's a UFC fight this weekend coming up, not this weekend, next weekend. So next Saturday. He tried everything. He tried Fight Island. He tried doing it on Indian Reservation. He's now got permission from Florida, the governor of Florida, to do it in Jacksonville in an empty arena. Okay, that should be applauded. This guy understands that the UFC employs a lot of people and not just the fighters, people who cover it, people who talk about it, people who go there, the referees, all that stuff. It employs a lot of people. It's a multi-billion dollar business, which by the way, he did sell it for a billion dollars, if you remember. And it doesn't matter. He is trying everything he can to make sure it goes up and running so that we get to see the fights. He's not sitting at home and doing nothing and complaining and crying. He's trying to get this up and running. He could sit in his, in, in his mansion with his billions of dollars for the rest of eternity and do absolutely nothing, and, and he would be fine. But he's not. He's actively trying to get sports up and running again. And that should be applauded. We should applaud people who want to try to do this. We should applaud the PGA for trying to get these uh, golf matches going uh, up and running again. We should applaud that the PGA is trying to get that uh, Tiger, Peyton, uh, Phil, and Tom Brady matchup going. Okay, that's, that's huge. These are all things that we should applaud. We should applaud all the sports people that are trying to get sports back. Baseball's trying to figure it out. Hockey's trying to figure it out. The NBA is trying to figure it out. If they all sat there and cried, okay, and said, we're never going to be able to do this, wah, then nothing would get done, and we'd never have sports back again because we obviously wouldn't be able to do anything because the virus would continue to spread until we found a vaccine. That'd be the only way to get sports back up and running again. If everyone sits on their collective hands and does nothing except cry, then we'll never see sports again. But no, thank God there's good people like Dana White and there's people all across this country that are saying, no, 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 this employs way too many people. I am responsible for way too many people and I need to continue to do this as a good business person and as an ethical person who cares about my employees and people who make money off my product. I need to figure out a way to get this back up and running again. And that's what we need everyone in America to do. We need them to think outside the box. You can't sit there and cry. You have to think, this is a shitty situation. We're not advocating that these people go out and basically commit mass murder. But that's the way the media is, is basically transmitting it to everyone across the nation. They're basically making it seem like if any of these sports entities continue to do business again, they will be committing mass genocide. And that is not true at all. They, If they can do it and do it safely, they should be applauded for doing it. Again, how many times I have to tell you on this program that sports is escapism? How many times I have to tell you that everyone in this nation needs sports? 
Okay, and it's and it's obviously very very easy to see because the draft had the highest ratings it's ever had in its history. 55 million people watched it across the nation. And the ratings for every day were up an average 25% or higher on every day of the draft. Day one, two, and three, up 25% from last year. That's crazy. That's huge. And and and, and they did a great job. The NFL Network, ESPN, and uh, ABC did a great job. Everyone, it was it was conducted great. It was cool to see the homes from the Zoom chats. It was it was awesome. They did a great job. And again, they should be applauded for doing this when everybody told them they couldn't. Because that's the way we, that's the way we are in society now. We just have to complain about everything. It's no, 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 you can't do this because this is going on. And, and how dare you try? How dare you try to do it safely? How dare you? But then guess what? That's just the echo chamber that social media and the ne- news networks plop into your face. And that's what everyone thinks is how everyone actually, you know, thinks about it. That's how we're supposed to be portrayed of how we're supposed to interpret what's happening. But really, that's not true because 55 million people watched. So if really the whole nation was pissed that the NFL was doing the draft, nobody would have watched it. So obviously, that was a lie. Anyway, guys, it's going to wrap it up for this episode. Again, this one was, was a steamy hot rant. I just, I just went on a hot, steamy rant for you guys. This one's good. You want to check this one out and share it with your friends, families, cousins, dogs, uncles, aunts, whoever. And uh, by the way, uh, continue to share the podcast. Go check out jagosports.com. They got some great stuff up. Um, they also support this podcast, and you can find it at jagosports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the rant Eli, and you can uh, follow me at Instagram, the rant with Eli. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, guys. Please remember to share the podcast and stay safe out there, and I'll see you guys when I see you.